Welcome to the Alaskan Journey Podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm a realtor in South Central Alaska, and my mission is to help you build an intentional and significant legacy for yourself and your families by coaching in real estate. And the purpose of this podcast is to answer the questions of those who are looking at moving up here to Alaska and really shed light on the different lifestyles and really just really authentically tell the story of Alaskans who are living up here uh, for anyone who's considering moving up here. Now, right in that vein, I have the pleasure today of interviewing actually some um, two brothers who are actually living off grid up here in Alaska. And um, they're here to talk about their experiences a little bit um, and um, kind of shed some light on what it's like living kind of off grid on the last frontier. So they are from the, um, oh guys, okay, we're off to a bad start here, but Bramante? Yep, you got it. Yeah, Bramante. Yes, got it. <laughs> so um, we're going to be talking with the Bramante brothers uh, from the Bruna, uh, Bramante brothers YouTube channel, and they really do shed light on what it's like living on the last frontier. Um, they do live with, um, with their wives, uh, Melissa and Bonnie out there as well with a couple of kids and a few dogs as well. And really the entire purpose of their YouTube channel is to really shed light on what it's like living kind of on the off grid and to kind of show the ups and downs and, and um, the actual real authentic life of what it's like living out there. So uh, without further ado, um, please welcome Zach and Joe. Hey, thanks for having us. Hey, Jamie, thanks for having us on. Hey, thanks. Thanks for being here, guys. Um, all right, well, let's go and just dive right in here. Um, that's such a big leap for so many people. I mean, I know a lot of people kind of fantasize about the idea of going and living off grid, but um, you guys actually went and did it. So tell me what that journey was like. Yeah, that's the the leap is true. Uh, when my wife and I were getting ready to uh, head out here, um, I had a bunch of friends that said, oh, you're so lucky. Oh, what, what I wouldn't give to be able to do something like that. And the fact of the matter is, and, and this is not to diss my friends, but I truly believe that not everybody's cut out for this type of lifestyle. Um, it has worked and fit really well for me and my wife and my brother and his wife. Um, but yeah, I mean, even, even friends that I've known that have were born and raised in Alaska, like, you know, living off the grid, uh, and when we say off the grid, our particular situation is we have no roads to where we're at. I mean, it's, it's a bush plane or, you know, float plane in and out, or when everything freezes up in the winter, a snow machine in and out. So yeah, we're, we're truly remote and, uh, and that's a little bit much for, um, pretty much <laughs> the vast majority of the population. Right. Yeah. Well, I, when people hear off grid, I I think they might be just thinking like rural Alaska, but we're talking about like the real like Webster's definition of like off grid, like <laughs> yeah, or like uh, yeah. To draw a mental picture, you would um, drive about two and a half hours north of Anchorage, and then hop on a float plane, and then spend about fifteen minutes in the air before we get home. Um, like Joe said, there are no roads. And so it's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, so when, I don't know if you want to get into our origin story, but, uh, we first saw this place. Every good superhero has an origin story. <laughs> exactly. So we first got to visit out here back in 2002 and it just took our breath away. And, um, and so we got to know the folks really well that owned it and then, I don't know, like in the tourism industry and, and knowing how they ran it as a tourist lodge was, was intriguing to me. Um, but to take your love of, of living in the woods and the possibility of, uh, working in the tourism industry, we took that to a whole new level by moving our families out here. Right. Um, did you guys come and visit up here in Alaska before the 2001? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a few times. Um, in before we finally made the move up, Joe was already married to Bonnie, and he moved up in two thousand four. Correct. 
And, um, but we had visited in 2000 and in 2002 prior to that. Gotcha. Man, that's, that's awesome. So you had a little bit of experience. Where were you guys coming from before then? Montana. Both Zach and I were born and raised uh, in Northwest Montana. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I actually lived in Hardin, Montana and Great Falls for uh, about 10 years or so myself. So, Nice. Okay, I, I can kind of see the uh, kind of see the Alaska Alaska streak there starting already. Where you there's guys kind of? Yeah, there's a lot of Montanans that moved up here. <laughs> Does not surprise me. <laughs> Does not surprise me at all. Um, were you guys kind of living a little off grid with that lifestyle when you were living down there already, or? No, we had, our parents had five acres. Uh, it was at the end of a road, but uh, we had neighbors on all sides of us. And, and um, we, we did the property that we were on bordered uh, for service property. Uh, so it was really cool. I mean, we had acres and acres to just play with, uh, you know, growing up us boys. Um, and then also we were into hunting so we could go out our back door hike up the hill and go deer hunting. So uh, we, we definitely had an outdoors lifestyle, but nothing close to off-grid or remote. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm sure it felt pretty off-grid at the time, though. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a, a wilderness childhood for us, for yeah. sure. And that's awesome. Okay, so you guys got up here and um, you know decided to, to just make the big leap happen. Um, was there a lot of kind of fear and intrepidation around that? Or were you both just very sure this is what you wanted to do? Well, we would have to skip forward from 2004 when Joe and Bonnie moved to Talkeetna and then uh, migrated south back down to Wasilla, closer to Anchorage. And then skip forward again to 2006 when I moved up here. Um, so we kind of made our way into the Matanuska Valley first. And we lived in, uh, we kind of, ended up in Palmer together. So it was like, all oh, the brothers were reunited. We moved up from Montana, uh, moved to the same town. And uh, we were either working construction uh, for a friend or working in tree service with our dad. And then um, the opportunity to purchase the lodge from our good friends who have owned it since 1992 came up, that opportunity came up in 2013. Got it. So we've been out here for going on seven years yeah. after we purchased it. It was a whole process. I imagine so. <laughs> so uh, tell me about that process. Oh man. Go ahead. Well, when, uh, <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is kind of a crazy story. It's funny. Zach had mentioned, so we kind of um, knew the previous owners of this lodge earlier and throughout the years, as we, our friendship grew, we would come out and visit. My wife and I actually came out and care took for them a couple of times. They had some sled dogs. So whenever they left, they needed someone to, to come and keep the fire going and keep all the dogs fed. Um, and so we, we did that a few times. Zach came out and helped guide some hikes, some camping trips, helped around the place, mowing the yard and all that kind of good stuff. And we had joked throughout the years. Oh man, I would love to own this place. I would love to own this place. And we would joke with the owner and say, hey, all I've got is 500 bucks, but would you take 500 down and like 10 bucks a month? You know, just just messing around. And uh, just because we, we loved this place so much. So when the opportunity came and maybe Zach can tell his portion of that, actually, when he, he started seriously thinking about it, um, he told me, he says, we might, we might consider buying the lodge. And I was instantly excited for him and jealous at the same time. I thought, oh my gosh, he's doing it. He's like, this is the dream that we've always had. And, uh, and then he said, but I can't do it on my own. I would need yours and Bonnie's help. Yeah. We, we would have to, you know, um, um, do this together. And, and I was instantly overjoyed. I was like, oh, this is literally a dream come true. So uh, my wife and I, the interesting thing was, is we were getting ready to make a change in our life. I was, I was doing the same thing over and over and it just wasn't working. And so we were coming up with a resume to actually send out. We, we did, uh, send out resumes to lodges in Colorado, uh, Canada, um, other parts of Alaska. Like we, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to be either caretakers or hosts or, or 
have some capacity in, in like the hospitality slash lodge industry. Right. And so when this happened and Zach presented this, uh, this idea, this plan, um, it didn't even take any time for my wife and I to think about it. Cause that's already what we were shooting to do. So, um, I don't know if you want to expound Zach on. Well, I, Joe and I were both in dead end jobs. Um, we were both commuting from Palmer to Anchorage, something that mm. is scary because we have one of the northernmost commutes in the world. And not only are you watching out for moose and bear, but you're also dealing with black ice and snowstorms. And it's just and not, crazy and crazy drivers. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, don't that's, know. That's, I mean, just, it does. It does look like Mad Max every morning going down this lane <laughs> highway. Sure. So, so um, my wife and I. We just decided to visit out here for the weekend. I just needed a break. It's like my de-stress, happy place. And um, and so we came out to Caribou Lodge and we were kicking around the idea because Alyssa and I had money put away for our our little, the white picket fence, the three bedroom, two bath, what, what, what have you. And, um, but I just needed to just reset. <clears throat> so I come out here like I always do back in 2013. And Mike and I are sharing a beer on the deck overlooking the Talkeetna Mountains and the gorgeous lake. And I'm just like, Mike, I don't want to go home tomorrow. And I'm like, I, I just want to I just want to buy this place because I knew it was for sale. I knew it was on the market. And that made me sick to my stomach because once Mike and Pam left, um, then it's goodbye for all of us. You know, so I was like, I just wish I could buy the place from you. And in a moment of being goofy, like Mike usually is, and in a moment of probably uh, some emotion, because um, I've known him, he's like one of my, he's like a second dad or an uncle. I've just known him for so long. He put his arm around me and he goes, Zach, I'll give you a good deal on the place. And I was like, <laughs> you know, you just don't know how to take that. You're like, I don't know what he means by that. Right. But he was he was quite literal. And then that's when Alyssa and I spent the whole drive back from Talkeetna to Palmer, um, just like with our eyes wide open, like we just saw a ghost. We're like, what just happened? And then we came and presented that to, to Joe and Bonnie. So that's kind of how the snowball got rolling. Um, because Joe and I had been guiding hiking and camping trips for Caribou Lodge and just enjoying every second of it since like 2005. And, uh, I was, I was even guiding out here before I was an Alaska resident. So our, our history here goes way back beyond raising our families out here. Right. Right. Man, that's awesome. So you got some good history there and, you know, got the, got the property then, yeah. uh, what was it like when you guys were just getting started then? Cause it's, it's kind of an operating business already. There's going to be, you know, a lot of, uh, maybe some of the behind the scenes stuff you guys hadn't and had to deal with before. So what was kind of your experience stepping into that and, and, um, fully embracing that off grid lifestyle at that point? Yeah, sure. So Joe and I make a great team. Uh, we have an older brother that is, we love him like crazy and, and I could probably work with either of my brothers, but I don't think they could work well together. So <laughs> it's cool that Joe and I get to do this together, but we, we kind of, uh, compliment each other in the fact that I'm very business oriented and, and more creative of the two. And Joe is the fixer of everything and, and the mechanics. When he came out here to caretake, it was second nature to him. He's like, I know how to haul water from the lake. I know how to, you know, we weren't scared of using an outhouse. One of the first things that happened are when we were getting ready for our first summer uh, so there's three cabins out here, three guest cabins, and then the shower house. It's, it's a, you know, a shared shower house. It's really nice. It's a cute little one. And the water tank, the hot water heater tank, it's propane. Um, it had been in there for Lord knows how long, um, but it had some age. And all of a sudden it springs a leak. Uh, the bottom rusted and water's coming out the bottom. And I'm going, oh, shoot, we've got a busy summer ahead of us with you know, lots of guests coming and now we don't have a shower house. Um, so I had Zach and our dad at the time get, uh, the parts that we needed, send them out on the first float plane that came out. 
And so, you know, whether it's plumbing or construction or mechanicing on the snow machines, that's that's my thing. Zach is excels at business. He he created our website, um, talking with travel agents and all that. And I'm the fixer upper caretaker guy. Yeah. So yeah. So we complement each other well. So we sent Joe and Bonnie out here to get their feet wet first. Cause Alyssa and I were like, no, you go do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we were we had a baby and we wanted to wait till she was a little bit older. And so Joe and Bonnie were like, hot diggity dog. We're we're moving off grid. So we man, we dealt with the title company, we got the escrow all in place. Uh, we put earnest money down and then Joe and Bonnie moved out in September of 2014. And, and Mike and Pam were torn because they were sad to leave their home of 22 years. But I think they were also excited because life out here is, is rough and you're, you're, it's a lot of physical labor to shovel snow or to haul water or to, to do some, it's simple but it's physical labor. And I think their time out here was just done. They're like, it's time to move back to town. So Joe and Bonnie uh, traded places with them, moved into the master bedroom behind the lodge and, um, and had the whole winter to themselves to prepare emotionally and physically and mentally everything to say, okay, this is how it is to live out here at least six or seven months before our first guests of the summer started really um, rolling in. And so uh, as Alyssa and I were dealing with the logistics of uh, visitor bureau memberships and travel agents and uh, visit Anchorage luncheons and getting to know the community, Joe and Bonnie were out here just like acting like bed and breakfast hosts and, and, uh, Joe, Joe has turned into a great, uh, naturalist guide. And, um, so it just, I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of the origin of the first year out here. It was just like, fake it till you make it. I was just going to (laughs) say, definitely a fake it till you make it thing. And, and not that nature and the outdoors was new to us, but, um, doing it on our own prior like we had mentioned, we had done it with Mike, the previous owner, and you're helping. But now you are the main guy. You are in charge. There is nobody that you're helping. And there was a lot of nervousness with that. I, uh, our first guests uh, that we did by ourselves, uh, they were for th- out here for three days. And there's two hikes, one around the lake and one to a, to a high point uh, in, the lo- in the area. And those are easy hikes. And on the third day, they're like, do you guys have a longer hike? We'd like to go for like all day and maybe pack a lunch. And I was like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after I said that, I ran and got on the phone with Mike. And I was like, Mike, where's a long hike? What do I do? <laughs> so like, I ended up going, do the yeah. same hike. They'll get lost. <laughs> Turn yeah, into a long one. Well, we plan on doing the same hike in reverse tomorrow. Right. I'm going <laughs> to make it a double feature. So figure eight. Yeah, it. <laughs> it was a lot of fake it till you make it. And you know, I, I credit my dad a lot too. Um, he knew, he knew that moving out here was going to be hard for us mentally. Um, he he was consistent in calling me at least once a week just to shoot the breeze to talk on the phone we'd talk on the phone for two or three hours and uh you know talk about the animals we were seeing what i was experiencing and uh, and also there were a few other couples in our community that uh we had gotten to know that had had lived in remote alaska villages and uh they gave bonnie and i some good pointers um little things like make days of the week special. And what they meant by that was make, and this is what we turned it into. Friday night is family movie night. Uh, Sunday, we make homemade pizza. Um, You know, uh, Tuesday, that, that type of thing. So you, so you separate the days of the week because it's interesting out here. If you don't do that, you you, forget what day of the week. You do. You totally forget what day of the week is. I've, I've gone a couple of times and you're like, what, what day of the month is it? Like, is it a Tuesday or is it a Saturday? I don't know. Um, because there, you're really there's just no, ruled. There's, there's no rat race. You're ruled there's by no, the weather yep. and not appointments and schedules and nine to fives. So, 
Yeah, so making the days, making it a point to make the days special so the girls know when we they wake up on Saturday morning, dad's making pancakes, it, it makes Saturday feel different than Wednesday. Right, and right. When there are no weekends, you know, uh, October through May, we are the caretakers, the groundskeepers, the maid service, the, the travel agent, you know, go-betweens. But then June through September, every day feels like Monday. Yeah. And like, it's yeah. just, you know, just feet to the floor, keep going just nonstop until all the tourists are gone. And you're like, whoa, man, finally get a, a weekend. And then in October, it's like a month full of weekends for us. So it was, it's trippy. <laughs> and you had to, uh, you definitely had to make the days feel special and set them apart or else every, it starts to feel really monotonous. And then by the time November and Thanksgiving leaves and you're getting close to that winter solstice up here in the Alaska and the long winter nights, um, it starts to really just weigh on you if you don't have something to look forward to. Yeah. Right. Right. No, that's, that's a really good point. So we've kind of talked a little bit about the importance of kind of making days special and, you know, trying to make sure you keep a good kind of meet, you know, making things special, breaking up the, the routine a little bit. Um, what are some other aspects of kind of the, the lifestyle that maybe some people don't, don't really think about? You mentioned before it's, it's, kind of challenging. Um, so what does make it challenging? I, I would say right off the bat, there's two things that usually blow people's mind because when you say off grid, you could live off grid in the middle of San Francisco. Um, the difference is for us, we have no well and we have no septic system. And, and that's just part of living in remote Alaska, like even more remote than Bethel or you know, Fort Yukon for, I mean, just like, it's crazy. We have to either in the summer, we pipe in our water through a, a spring. And in the winter, we haul water from the lake and filter it in different ways. Uh, make sure there's no anything in there from, you know, you never know what you're going to get. We live in country where there's beavers and otters swimming in the water. And so we filter water in certain ways and people can't wrap their minds around the fact that you know what you should do? They'll tell us you should have a private bathroom in every cabin. And Joe and I <laughs> try to politely say, well, yeah, we've thought about that, but unless we could helicopter drop all the right equipment to, to dig the proper, proper septic system, um, then we'd go through all the, like, uh, like the eco problems of we're really close to the lake. We wouldn't want to contaminate the lake. Um, and it kind of is a shock to some people that we still use an outhouse, but you know, people think that only the guests use an outhouse and we have a private bathroom in the master suite and that's not the case. Um, so I think two of the main, uh, two of the main things for us was, I mean, we still have pretty much all the creature comforts of solar power and generator power, get us what we need. Right. But no matter, no matter what you still are, um, hauling water in the winter and, and, uh, using the outhouse and whether it's 80 degrees on a gorgeous August day, or it's 40 below zero in January, you just, uh, you just make your trips to the outhouse really, really quick. <laughs> oh, I, I can definitely understand that it really makes you appreciate those really special, uh, Japanese toilets that are that are all heated and really <laughs> souped up. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, I imagine also there's kind of a mental aspect to it also, because I mean, especially during those long winter months, I mean, you know, a lot of people who are from the lower 48, they might not appreciate like how dark it is for so long. Um, relative sure. to the rest of the lower 48. I mean, it's, you know, not like, um, not like borrow or, you know, stuff way out in the Arctic circle where it's literally gone for months on end, but it's pretty close to that. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, you know, I kind of did a, uh, would you call it a social study? Um, when I first moved to Alaska, it was just my own thing that I conducted, uh, as, as I encountered, you know, make friends and encounter different people through, through business and whatnot. And I found, and I guess this is, doesn't just apply to 
living off grid or living remote. But I, I would say it applies to specifically living in Alaska, like you're, you're referring to. Um, and what I found was you've you've got two different types of Alaskans. You've got the the Alaskans that are lifers. They've they were born and raised here. Um, in that group, you also have people that have moved here, but it, that have been here for a long time, uh, 20, 30, 40 years and on. And then you have those people that move up and they're here for five years, maybe 10, maybe they make it 10 and they just can't stand it and they get out. And I found the common denominator, at least this was my uh, findings, was the people that had the longevity up here made it a point to get out of the state at least for two weeks every year. And, and <laughs> those two weeks, it's important in my mind to do that in the winter, obviously. Um, and so that's what my wife and I started to do. You know, we couldn't afford these elaborate vacations and you, and, and with the technology and, and Airbnbs and stuff now you can, you can get pretty creative and, and do vacations on a budget. But I always recommend to people, like, if you're going to move to Alaska, make it a point somewhere in the dead of winter, December, January, something like that, get out at least for a couple of weeks and break it up. And, and that has made the difference for my wife and I, um, because you, you go see a little bit of sun, whether it's, you know, family in Florida or you hit Hawaii or whatever, and then come on home and, and yeah, there's some winter left, but you just broke it up. And there's not that much. Now this now it's getting brighter. The days are getting longer. The sun's starting to put out a little bit of heat and you can bear it. And so that's what I've found. The, the people that make it long-term in Alaska make it a point to get out at least for a little bit in the winter. Man, that's huge. I mean, that's, that's something I've been trying to tell people for a while. It's like, I know some people just love the winter and that's that's really their thing, but I mean, I feel like that's kind of a, kind of an anomaly and, um, a lot yeah. of people yeah, like the idea people. of winter, but it's one thing if you've been here for three, four months <laughs> in darkness yeah. and you're vitamin, vitamin D deprived. <laughs> well, that's, that's it. I mean, you can love the winter sports and man, you've got your pick in Alaska. My wife and I love snowshoeing, snow machining. Uh, we picked up cross country skiing recently. Um, heck it's a great time to see the Northern lights as, as most Alaskans and outsiders know. Um, but it's like you mentioned earlier, it's those long, dark days and the lack of sunshine. Like even though we, what in the, the Anchorage in the, the Valley area, we still get five hours ish of sunlight on the, on the shortest days. Right. Uh, but, but that's not much like, yeah, you got to double up on your vitamin D and, yeah. and uh, yeah, I, I think, I think that's pretty crucial well, to break it up. For us, it's even more so. I think I was talking to a friend down in Palmer and he said they were, I, and maybe you know what Anchorage's snowfall is at right now, but he's saying they were between like 25 and 30 inches or something like that. And Joe and I take measurements every morning it snows, sometimes twice a day, depending on the snowstorm, right. three times a day, and it just doesn't stop. But I think we're somewhere around 170 inches right yeah. now this year. Yeah. And so the stark contrast of living in the Talkeetna mountains, you, you need to be prepared for that Yeah. because living in Anchorage is way different than living in Talkeetna. You know, driving up to Talkeetna on a Saturday afternoon, the snow banks get a lot taller when you start driving mm -hmm. up here and we're in another snow belt up here. So I always wondered how the previous owners did it. I'm like, man, you, you got to get out. You got to get some vitamin D. And, and some people don't need to, but I think it's a good reset. You come home and you're like, oh, I really appreciate it. I'm not, I'm not sick of the winter. I didn't spend all winter shoveling my driveway or whatever the case may be. But the reality of it was for the original lodge owners is they had property in California and they used it every winter. So, that's, you know, it's just, that's smart. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Alaska is yeah. incredible. It's gorgeous. It's, it, it's a great place to live. But if you're starting to feel worn down, just, just get a little reset. I mean, just like, you know, a week, maybe two. I mean, that's that's all your vacation usually allows anyways. And then you come home and you're like, oh, man, there's a moose on the side of the road. And, and it just like it changes your perspective again, you know. Yeah, no, that's 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 spot on. I, I think that really is. I mean, I remember hearing um, 
um, study just a little bit ago, and there's um, kind of a comparison here. It was talking about how the most productive, high-producing people out there actually take more breaks than everybody else. That's sure. why Joe and I are so productive. Right? <laughs> 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 oh, that's awesome. No, I don't doubt it. That's yeah. That that definitely would ring true. No, oh, good deal. So, you know, we kind of talked about the winter a little bit. That can be a challenge. Um, we talked about, you know, hauling water and, you know, getting all the, the essentials kind of set up during the winter time. That, that can be a bit of a challenge. Um, I guess kind of walk me through maybe just like a, a normal day during the summer, normal day during the, the winter time, just so people have a, have a good feel for what the lifestyle looks like. Yeah. What day do you want to take? Oh, geez. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the winter. You take the summer. Okay. I'll do, I'll do summer. So I thrive on the business end of things. Uh, I just, Joe just asked me today. He's like, what is your, what's one of your favorite aspects of living out here? And I was like, you know, honestly, I could give all these answers of, well, it's the solar panels and it's the self-reliance and it's the homestead, blah, blah, blah. That's not true. Like, like for me, it's running the business. I love running the business. That's just the way my mind works. Um, I, I'm not afraid of phone calls. I'm not afraid of Zoom calls. And I was just kind of cut out for it. So I enjoy that. So summer is my time. I, I just super enjoy it. When So um, let's see. We wake up knowing that we have guests coming in, right? Almost every day. Or we blocked out all the cabins because we're full. And then we head down to the float plane dock. Uh, we'll tie up the plane and welcome our new guests. And um, Bonnie and Alyssa are almost nonstop in the kitchen. They're up at 5 a.m. Uh, either cleaning, they're doing, they're doing like maid service, they are baking bread, baking cookies. Their homemade biscotti is unreal, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> and, um, and so then the airplane comes in. We welcome our guests. We show them around. And um, people really, I think they're just kind of in shock that they're in such a neat remote place. It's like we just got it off of a, a bush plane. We're walking around someone's private property in the middle of absolute nowhere. And, um, and we get to just show off Alaska and that's where I thrive because I have, I've forced myself to learn so much about the birds, the flowers and the, the big game wildlife around here, um, that I just enjoy talking to people about it. And every random question that a tourist asks, I love having an answer for whether that's, well, we all know how tall Denali is, but how tall is Mount Foraker, you know, and stuff like that. And, and, it just it makes the makes the summer fun, um, but we will we'll go for a hike, we'll pack a lunch. Um, Joe and I always have our our binoculars hanging around our neck to uh, to try and show people their first animal of the of their trip. Usually, it's more exciting for people to see a grizzly bear or a caribou because it seems like black bear and moose you can see in more places throughout the state. Um, they're kind of so the stray dogs of Alaska. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then we would, um, we'd be back at the lodge for dinner, dinner. Um, it's all inclusive here. So the, like I said, the women are just nonstop cooking. And, and that is one reason they say they don't really enjoy summer because they don't hike. They spend the summer cooking. Um, so then the guests come fill up the dining room and, uh, and that's kind of a day in the summer. It, you know, it's fun. That's more fun than answering the phone and dealing with travel agents and stuff like that. Like when you actually get to show off Alaska and, and do what people came to see, that's the, that's the joy of running the business for me. But I'm glad Joe gave me summer because I just enjoy summer um, more as far as running the lodge. And that's why uh, I gave you summer because I knew, <laughs> I knew you. Oh, that's awesome. So with the, I know one you know, aspect of it is certainly, um, during the summertime, you were, you know, interacting with a lot of people where this is their break, their vacation, their ability to kind of reset. And, um, I mean, they're, some of them are seeing like some of these, you know, scenes and, 
you know, mountains and kind of the level of nature that's out there really for the first time. Um, yeah. Do you have, I mean, imagine it's, it's really um, fun just to kind of see people's reaction and how they respond. Do you have any, I guess, instances that kind of float to the top of your mind on, that kind of just gave you a set sense of satisfaction and how they um, enjoyed the time there? It seems like multiple times every summer um, we get that there, there are the people that are world travelers that um, they love it. They love Alaska. They love the mountains, the wildlife, um, but they've seen so much that it's just another spectacular thing to them. It's they're not, they're not awestruck. Right. Then you have people that have saved up their whole life to make this, this once in a lifetime trip to Alaska, whether it's just a, a, a young married couple, an old married couple, uh, a, a young family with kids. Um, and uh, man, some of the most memorable hikes that I've been on is, is, you know, we'll hike around our lake. We get to this certain spot where you rise up on this little hill and you can see Denali and all of its glory. And so many people, their, their eyes are down on the trail when they're hiking. You're always reminding them, Hey, look up, look around or, you know, and, and so you ra- rise up over this little knoll and you say, Hey guys, check that out. There's, there's Denali right in front of us and their eyes raise up and the look on their face is priceless. And they're, there's, they're literally speechless. And if they have kids they're they're Hey, you know, little Johnny, look, look at this, look at that. That's Denali. That's the tallest mountain in North America, you know, and just to, so Zach and I get to see it almost every day <laughs> uh, when it's out, when it's out behind the clouds, but to see like, we, we don't look at the the mountain. We look at their reaction because that's why we're doing this. Like it is, it's phenomenal. Or when someone sees their very first bear ever in their entire life, like just watching their reaction is, it's just incredible. I don't know. I, I can't like, I guess their speechlessness of seeing their first animal or, or the, the mountain is kind of how Zach and I feel watching them. It's hard to describe watching somebody enjoy something so much. I mean, it, I'm sorry, go ahead. My, the experience that pops out in my mind, uh, I'll try to keep it quick, but I was hiking with this couple from the Czech Republic and they were just so thrilled that they decided to come here instead of go to the national park. They said, there's too many people and we just wanted to be left alone. I totally understand that. I'm glad you, glad you chose us. Right. So we're out on this hike. And we hear this awful sound. And I'm like, man, I don't recognize that sound. And I turned around and there is a a grizzly bear chasing a cow moose and her calf. And he had made this like weird snarly grunting sound because he had just been kicked by the cow moose. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that, you know, I've seen things like this before, but never with guests. Like it's very rare that you get to share it with someone that's only here for two days. And they were just, their eyes lit up. Like, what am I watching right now? Is this real? And the cow moose kicked the bear. He ran back into the bushes, circled around, tried to like do this juke move to, to get around the cow moose and get her baby. And she, she kicked, she softly kicked the calf to get her running the other way while she kicked the bear again and chased him into the woods again. And and I was enjoying it because this is something that's rare, even for us Alaskans. You right. don't see that very often. But I started watching the the people and and the the guy goes, oh, it's like I'm in a National Geographic documentary. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much like that was that was a highlight for me. Um, and, and in reality, I'm what, three miles from my home out on a on a day hike with clients. And so uh, you feel fortunate. Um, you can't take credit for that in any way, except for that you were just in the right place at the right time. But to get that reaction over and over for just simple little things um, makes our job a, a heck of a lot more yeah. enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. Right. Well, I mean, it kind of sounds like being a teacher where you spend a lot of time teaching a kid something and then they get it. And then <laughs> the teacher in turn takes a lot of like joy in just seeing that kind of that spark yeah. of, um, there you go. I like that. Yeah. That's a good comparison. Yeah. Well, good deal. Well, Joe, what's, uh, 
Yes. Winner, you're up. <laughs> the winner. Um, and, and exactly that, rolling into winter. So there's a process, you know, the fall time. Um, guests are gone. The lake is starting to freeze up. Uh, the float planes are done flying. And so Zach and I go into a mode of winterizing the place. Uh, there's a big portion of the deck that we completely close off with plywood so that it doesn't completely get drifted and packed in with snow. Uh, we winterize our, our spring water line. Um, we, you know, we do things like taking gutters down off of the eaves, um, you know, just, just winterizing things. And once that is done, it, it just goes into a mode of relaxing no more alarm clocks. Uh, you can let your body wake up when it naturally wants to get up. And I'm telling you what, that is an awesome feeling. Um, you know, with our families out here, um, Alyssa, Zach's wife, uh, her, their kids are, are older, so uh, they're in school, but they homeschool. Uh, our daughter is two years old, and we will homeschool her when she gets old enough. So, so there's the getting into a routine Monday through Friday. Hey, it's time for school. We're doing this. If, if Zach or me, you know, the dads have a, a project outside, oftentimes the mom needs a break and says, hey, go do this project with dad and uh, get some outside time, get some rec, rec time, you know. Um, once our projects are done for the day, by no means do Zach and I put in an eight hour day. We're, we're doing like three, four hours tops for projects, whether it's splitting and stacking firewood, uh, like I said, winterizing things. And then it's game time. Like we go, Hey, you guys up for a board game? Hey, yeah, sounds good to me. So after lunch, after our daughter, you know, finishes her nap. Um, it's game time. We throw out the board game on the table and we play uh, one or two games before dinner. And, you know, there, there's different variations of, of what we do. Occasionally we'll, we'll turn the generator on and we'll kick on the Nintendo Wii and play some Mario Kart, you know, <laughs> I mean, just, just to mix things up. But uh, we get our chores done. Um, yeah, we got to take a lot of breaks so our creativity... Right. The level doesn't go down. Like you exactly. said, studies show you're more productive when you take more breaks. Yeah, so exactly. we take board game breaks and, <laughs> and snack breaks, you know? So, so that, yeah, that, I mean, and then when the snow starts rolling in, um, you gotta, there's certain areas that you gotta keep shoveled out. Most areas we just pack trails. We put on snowshoes and we just pack a trail. Otherwise, I mean, I tried my first year. It was funny to shovel paths to the outhouse and Mike, the old owner, he kind of laughed at me. I said, man, I, I love, my dad taught me. He says, you know, if you've got to look at it for five to six months, you might as well make it look nice. Right. So we're dealing with this snow and, and go ahead and make it pretty, make nice clean edges and all that. And so I did that and Mike just laughed and he goes, ha, ha, uh, yeah, that won't last long. Well, he was absolutely right because the next year, I, I just abandoned that idea. Um, what happens is you shovel these beautiful paths and the first little bit of wind you get, it completely drifts in and undoes all the work you do. So oh, you go, no. yeah, I can see how that's just going to waste my time and, and ruin my back. So, well, someone would have to know the layout of our property, but we do a lot of walking because from the lodge, we walk at least a hundred yards to get to the root cellar. We walk at least a, another hundred yards in the opposite direction to get to the pantry, which is a big building, an outbuilding at the other end of the property. The shop is probably the 50 to 75 yards. The workshop is, is way off. Yeah. And, and the outhouses. So, so when Joe says packing down trails with the snowshoes, that's why, because you don't want to be sinking in the snow we get on average at least 100 and 150 to yeah. 170 inches a year. You don't want to be sinking in that. So we compress it really good with the snowshoes so you can run to the pantry or run to the root cellar. And uh, so that's kind of digging, digging all of that with a shovel would, would uh, yeah. break our backs. Just for uh, clarification. So Zach was saying on average 150 inches a year of snowfall that is actual like snowfall. That's not the depth. Mm -hmm. So the depth right now, what did you say? We're at 160, 170, yeah, I think so. 170 inches. 
we actually just measured it today, um, somewhere between four to five feet uh, on the level is what we say. So, you know, cl close to um, 60 inches on the level. And yeah, that's, I mean, the moose even abandoned this. They, we stopped seeing the moose once we hit about three feet. Yeah. Um, they go down lower to where there's more roads and trails. Um, so yeah, we have to pack our trails to be able to get to the right. outhouse, to get to the shop and all yeah, that. The moose, the moose up here in the Talkeetna mountains leave every January. I mean, just like clockwork, it gets too deep around here. So when we stick our little ruler on the deck and we say, okay, we got three inches. And then we sweep that off and then we prepare for more snow and it's super fluffy, you know, powdery snow. And then as it compresses, I guess, for any of you folks listening out of state that don't shovel snow <laughs> on a regular basis, <laughs> that's what we, we measure the snowfall, but once it squishes down and turns more dense, then yeah, we're looking at about five feet on the level. It's, it's, uh, it's getting up. I'm a pretty short guy. So it's getting up to where I can't see over it sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's just a completely different way of having to I'm gonna plan your day out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we we obviously get some snow over here, but I keep telling people South Central Alaska is really Alaska light. So you <laughs> as go. you get further up north, that's that's where it starts getting a little uh a little bit more rowdy and a little bit more wild west. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good way to describe it for sure. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, let's uh, got a couple more questions here. Then um, you mentioned before, kind of, you know, kind of raising the kids out there. Um, just as parents, what's been, you know, some of the um, uh, challenges of raising kids who are who are off, you know, you know, off grid or um, rural living, however we want to want to term it. Yeah, um, I have. Let's see. I think my kids have thrived out here and sometimes even more so than my wife and I, um, they are very outdoor oriented. They love, they know just as much about the flowers as mom and dad do. Um, my seven and five-year-old daughters last summer, they would talk to the guests about the different berries that grow on the tundra just as much as I would. And, and they listen to daddy and they know what's going on and they're not strangers to sharing the lodge with people from Japan or people from Australia or Germany. And so they, I think it's a huge benefit. My kids are not concerned with talking to someone with an accent. Um, they can understand people when they've got a German accent or something like that. I think that's been really neat to see. Um, on a little tiny rabbit trail here, there was one time when I came back from a hike with like six Japanese folks and a couple of the older ladies didn't want to go. So they stayed back at the lodge. And when I came in and I took off my backpack, I saw that these, the two old Japanese ladies were at the dining room table teaching my kids how to fold origami. And so <laughs> to be taught origami by a Japanese lady, like that's a bucket list item almost like that's pretty stinking cool. I'm like, well, my kids are getting a really neat education outside of the classroom, you know, just like just this unique uh, setting that we're in. Um, but I do think the main challenge that Alyssa and I, Zach, are noticing is separation anxiety. Um, when we just want to do something that we consider normal, our kids are clingy, very clingy, uh, very clingy to us. And when we go to town, they will only stay with certain friends. Mm. Um, other other places give them anxiety. And um, and maybe that's normal for some kids, whether you're homeschooled or public schooled. I know that, you know, but I just think that that's something we're starting to notice more. Um, Alyssa and I thought, oh, we'll just make a quick trip into town. It's not fun for the kids. We got to get on the snow machines. We got to drive at least an hour and a half before we get to our truck. And, and it's just easier if we leave the kids with uncle Joe and aunt Bonnie and our kids freaked out. Just the fact of mom and dad won't be here for 48 hours was a, maybe a little alarming to us, but, and that might not be a stereotypical answer, but I think that's the only thing that was really um, maybe a, I don't know if it's a cause for concern, but something that we're noticing because we're always together. 
mom and dad work from home and we do work. I mean, I'm always doing something for the business, whether it's on the internet, answering emails, whatever it is. And, um, and so when we want a little alone time or, you know, got to go to town for supplies, the kids, um, are not used to that. That's one thing that we've all discussed, uh, concerning our kids out here. Zach and Alyssa obviously have had these discussions long before Bonnie and I had, um, their kids are a little bit older, but we've talked about watching closely, like Zach was just alluding to noticing signs of things, uh, that, that maybe our kids are being affected by or, or certain behavioral traits that are happening because of our lifestyle. And we want to be aware of that for sure because I mean, so Zach and I were homeschooled. We, we grew up in Montana. We were a homeschool family and we know the stereotype. We were looked down upon by many people. We were, you know, praised by people. I mean, there's just, there's such a wide spectrum. It's, it's, it's kind of a, it was a newer thing back in the nineties and, you know, not widely accepted. And people thought our social life was going to be lacking and everything else. And and just the, the homeschool aspect, we've, you know, tried to break that stereotype. Uh, But then you move off grid, you, you live remote, far away from friends and family. And then you have another issue to contend with as well. And we wanted to make sure we, we, we've always said this and I, and I believe we maintain this, that, if it starts affecting our families adversely, whether it's our wives, us, or our children, um, we're gonna we're gonna take steps necessary. And if that means moving, uh, that's a radical step. But but our families are more important. Um, our you know the behavioral, the the social, all those issues um, are a lot more important to us than Zach and I getting to live out our dream, uh, guiding hikes in Alaska. Um, but so far, like Zach said, that's one issue that's starting to present itself. Uh, but other than that, like Zach said, our kids thrive out here. Our our wives thrive out here. They love it out here just as much as we do. Um, and that's one thing we feel very, very blessed by. Um, whereas, you know, not all married couples would be able to do this together. The guy would say, oh, heck yeah, I'd do that in, a, in an instant. And the wife says, think again, buddy, you know, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so we feel very blessed that um, yeah. for the most part, um, our entire fam, our families love it out here. Yeah. And we had all these conversations over seven years ago. Okay, honey, if you are not thriving out here, you have to let me know if our kids, if you notice our kids not acting right. You know, if, if this is not a good environment, um, then we'll walk away. And that was something that, um, we've talked about years ago and it's still, (laughs) sometimes it comes to the forefront of our minds and we're like, okay, I'm ready to walk away. But, um, (laughs) but I would say that the homeschool programs in Alaska are outstanding because of so many people that want to uh, maybe by choice or out of necessity, live away from a good school system or um, in these native villages that, um, or or even remote, even more remote than a native village where you're living like we do, just completely off the road system. Uh, the homeschool programs, as long as you have a Wi-Fi signal and a, a cell signal booster, so you can keep in touch and and uh, you know send in the tests that they want to see and all that kind of stuff. Alaska is set up for homeschooling and, um, and the, the experiences that our kids get homeschooling and then, uh, hosting and, and interacting with people, um, from all over the world has been a win-win. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, I know a lot of, cause I mean, I was homeschooled myself, you know, all 12 years. So I, I know all the stereotypes as well, but we're going to think that you and us knew each other long before the podcast. <laughs> we should have hung out more. <laughs> it's like we were in the same state, but we were, you know, we were awkward at the time. So we didn't talk. So <laughs> we weren't allowed to talk to other guys. <laughs> Montana is a big state. Great Falls was nowhere close to Libby. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. <laughs> But, uh, but the thing I would say about that, it's fascinating to me because on one level, you might say, you know, off grid, really isolated, 
But on the other hand, they are getting so many more interactions with people from different backgrounds. Sure. So yeah. it's like getting more diversity, but there's just less like people from like, you know, I guess like the same kind of background, really. Right. Like yeah. we're all from the same town. In this case, right. it's just everybody's from everywhere. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah. So that, that to me is fascinating. So, but no, I, I think that's very, um, you know, very respectable that you get, like, you guys are obviously loving it out there and, you know, it's a place where it's been a long time dream and you've put a lot of work into it, but also, you know, family comes first. So I, I think that's very, very respectable. Um, all right. I'm glad well, that comes across. I, I guess that's our goal. So. Outstanding. Well, I guess the last question kind of dovetails a little bit off of that one. Um, like where can you talk a little bit about some of your clientele that, that comes out there? I mean, I'm hearing people from just all over the place. So, you know, what okay. kind of people <laughs> go to enjoy y'all's lodge? We have a globe that has a little, uh, a little blip glued onto every country where guests have visited from. And it's really cool to spin that globe and show other guests. Oh, can we put a, can we put a spot on there for us? We're like, well, no, actually someone's already visited from that country, you know, or something like that. But (laughs) definitely uh, we, we see a lot of people from a lot of different countries. I would say the, the main uh, group of people I get, I guess we get is, is based on the travel agents that we work with. And some of those travel agent relationships uh, go back to the previous owner as well. And uh, he worked directly with um, travel agents that dealt only with uh, Germany. Um, Also a travel agent that dealt directly with Japanese, uh, uh, Japan. And um, we have recently made a new relationship uh, with a travel agent that deals directly with Switzerland. So I would say if you were going to break it down into percentages, um, a, a large percentage of our clientele comes from Germany. Um, probably the next largest would be Switzerland and then Japan. Um, from there, Australia. You know, we've had quite a few Australians. We've had a few people from Spain, um, a lot of Americans, um, you know, people from back east, Boston, Philadelphia, uh, Florida, California, yeah. all over the states, um, and then scattered throughout. Then, then you're falling down into the like, you know, the the single digit percentages of of different countries all over the world. But, but yeah, th- those probably top four or five: Germany, Switzerland, Japanese, uh, Australia, Americans. Yeah, um, is is our our main clientele, I guess. And it must be uh, must be insane during the summertime to hear all those accents kind of it's all awesome. together. <laughs> Usually a group will book up the whole lodge so you don't have a bunch of diversity at any given day. But sometimes you'll have a couple Germans, a couple Japanese, and a couple from Manhattan. And you're just like, the dinner conversation is incredible. Like, you get to hear so many different stories from so many different backgrounds. And that is a really enjoyable part of it too, for sure. That's one of the things, you know, we were talking about the kids, our kids getting that diversity and experiencing all the guests from around the world. That's one of the things that our wives and and us love because we, we sit down and we have meals with these people. Um, We're not just the guides and, you know, the hosts and the caretakers, we, we actually, it's kind of like a family meal together. Um, usually breakfast and then dinner, whereas lunch is, is out in the woods, like a pack lunch. But yeah, these conversations, we, we try to stay away from political conversations. Occasionally they just happen. And when they do, uh, Zach and I let the guests have that conversation. We don't engage. Mm-hmm. Um, That's but it's so interesting to, to learn, political landscapes and how things are done. We had a guy from Australia and he was um, a retired um, member of parliament from the European union. Like what? it was was so (laughs) awesome. And he, the stories he told us, like you, you just, your mind is blown. I mean, they don't write this stuff in history books, you know, and 
so so conversations like that are priceless even for us adults um just learning the different cultures and 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 how different countries operate it's you know we we're all we're all uh, um human beings but uh you know we we've even discussed like how back east they call it a turnpike and out west we call it an interstate um you know someone calls it soda and someone calls it pop uh, you know for coca-cola <laughs> and and when you're talking about people you know from different countries it's even more yeah uh, uh spread out it's just crazy That's yeah so cool i think the reason that joe and i started our youtube channel was because of all these conversations we had with people and they say okay well we know what you do during the summer we've stayed with you four nights and this has been incredible but what do you do all year don't you get bored don't you get lonely don't you get whatever the questions are and joe was the one that spurred me into you know what we should just show people what we do all year and um so that's kind of what started and i think a lot of our subscribers on the youtube channel are um are probably people that have been here or that because they found the youtube channel have actually booked with us like in the past few years so that's super cool too but i guess that our youtube channel was to answer our question i guess and it's an extended question you're like we don't have enough time before you folks leave and head back to Anchorage to answer that question. Yeah. And so we've spent the last few years making hundreds and hundreds of, uh, I would say I would videos say, answering that question. I would say the top three questions we get are, how do you haul firewood? Uh, how do you haul water? And, and with that, how do you hook up the spring line? And what do you do with your garbage? Yeah. <laughs> And so we've made multiple YouTube videos on each one of those. <laughs> so whenever someone asks, we go uh, send them the link. Here's, yeah. here's the video. Got it right yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've kind of done the you. same thing in real estate. It saves you so much time. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we have a burn barrel out here so we can burn all the paper. We have a mulch pile out here that the black bears have gotten into. Um, the grizzly bears seem to give us a little more space. Yeah. Um, and then everything that we don't burn or compost gets thrown right back into the bush planes and flown back to town. So it's uh, it, it, the, those bush planes, those poor guys, those bush plane doors are just revolving doors all summer. They're like out with the guests, in with the trash. And like, here, I got to send a propane bottle to town or here's the mail. Make sure this gets to the post office. Like those guys are... Uh, a gift for sure. They keep yeah. everything running while we get to stay out here all summer. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, I, I think that's about all the, you know, all the questions I have, um, at least at the moment, I'm sure as soon as we're done here, I'm going to immediately think of like 12, <laughs> 20, a million other questions to ask, but that's usually how it goes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's usually how it goes. But, um, but tell me, is there, you know, something you guys would, you know, would like to like to comment or something you'd like to talk about. Maybe we haven't, haven't discussed yet. Uh, Joe and I talk way too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if we need to found, I, it was, it's fun chatting with you. I don't know if we've answered all your questions in a, hopefully we've blown your mind and maybe made you, uh, you know, interested in our lifestyle. But I, other than that, no, I think we've, said everything i i could think of i would agree with that yeah zach and i can rabbit trail pretty stinking good so um, (laughs) subject but yeah hopefully we answered your questions it's been a blast i appreciate you having us on hey well thank thank you a lot for your time um so again if um if you're wanting to find out more information about the bramante brothers youtube channel we're going to have the link for that in the show notes for this episode and if you're watching on YouTube, it's also going to be in the um, in the description section down below. And is there anywhere else you want um, want people to, to reach out to y'all if they have any questions? Um, CaribouLodgeAlaska.com, I guess um, that is that's a link to everything we do as a family. That is our blog, our our bookings are the lodge check, check it out just to check out the cabins and all the stuff that we've talked about in the episode. 
um, but it'll also link to YouTube, our blog, and all that kind of stuff. So that is cariboulodgealaska.com. That's our bread and butter. That's how we are able to do what we do out here. Sounds good. So if you are uh, looking for your real authentic kind of off-grid experience in Alaska, I mean, go book yourself there now. Um, so guys, I do really appreciate it. And um, for those of you who uh, are still listening, thanks for listening. And um, we'll get you next time. Thanks, Jamin. Thanks. Thanks.